Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today, I have a really fantastic guest. Uh, just before we started this recording, we were just saying that we feel as though we're brothers, and it's so bizarre because we've never actually met in person, but we've had an incredible amount of conversations. This gentleman is a superstar legend in the real estate industry. Uh, Christopher Invidiata, welcome to the show. Michael, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here. And I, and I echo what you just said. Like, we've never met, but as soon as we started speaking, I just realized we're, we, we share the same heart and the same um, Oh, my gosh. You know, and I got to tell you, I love your spirituality. I love who you are as an individual. And we're going to get into into this, but your your soul's amazing. And I, I got to tell you, brother, it, it's uh, I can't wait until the day we do meet because we've got a lot of catching up to do. I'm sure. I'm sure. Absolutely. So, Christopher, I'm going to jump right into it. You know, I had alluded to who you are, but I want to have people really understand you were the number one Remax team in the world twice. So just I'll let the audience have that sink in. The number one in the world, guys. And then you were number one in Canada 15 different times. You've sold over $4 billion worth of residential real estate. But before we even get into all of that nonsense, <laughs> please tell the listeners how you even got started in real estate. Well, thank you for that kind introduction. And uh, I always said that the harder I work, the luckier I get. So <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so, um, you know, before real estate, I was a uh, up and coming designer of jewelry and leather goods. And um, I affectionately called myself Carducci, which was uh, my father and I looked into, you know, uh, a book of poetry and there was this Emilio Carducci. So I adopted his name as my last for my brand, which is Christopher Carducci. And we made leather goods and jewelry we imported from Italy. We sold wholesale. And in 1981, the economy just completely tanked. Interest rates went to 21%. And I had to close my company because all my stores that I was selling to couldn't pay me. So it was like, okay, now what am I going to do? So a friend of mine introduced me to a gentleman in the fashion industry in clothing. And he said, if you go on the road with us just for two weeks, We'll pay you, but just see if you like the business. Well, we went on the road, and I said to myself, how is this guy going to be selling suits for $1,000 wholesale when the economy is like under? So after I come back from two weeks, I realized that clothing is a necessity where jewelry is not. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take the job. And he gave me a job, 1000 bucks a month. And so I grew his business from 700000 to over $4 million. Wow. <laughs> and he was a great guy, but he didn't speak a lot of English, but I was very good with people and selling whatever I was selling. So it didn't matter. And so about the third year, I'm, I'm now married. I have my young daughter, Shay, and we're out in Edmonton at the Four Seasons Hotel and Fabio's sitting on the bed and smoking in the morning. <laughs> and I'm like, is this really where I want to be? And the phone rang and it was Leslie. And she goes, guess what? I go, what's that? She goes, your daughter's just picking herself up. And I go, wow, that's amazing. And just then I realized I don't want to be on the road selling clothing with Fabio in Edmonton when I could be at home with my wife and just focus on 
my priorities. I always said, put God first, family second, work third in that order, and things will work out. So I said, okay, I'm going to go home. I said to my father, who's a medical doctor, I said, Dad, what do you think? He says, well, you love people and you're good with them. But rather than selling suits, why don't you just sell a building or, or a house for a million dollars? I said, well, that's a good idea. So I looked, in, <laughs> so I looked into getting my, my license and I worked part-time while I was in between the fashion industry with a lady by the name of Corey Sue Marshall. She worked at Canada Trust. And she mentored me for six months, and I learned so much from her. It was just, I, I really valued my time with her. And at the end of six months, I said, what do you think, can I make it in this business? And she goes, listen, it's not a part-time business. You, you're doing well in the, in the fashion industry, we get it. But if you leave that and come to real estate, you're going to do really well. So I took the plunge, and I jumped into real estate. And my first sale that I made on my own, kind of, I was so excited. I took the people for dinner to thank them and because I was my gratitude was so genuine they referred me to two other people and then the story just continued going because if you give back from a grateful heart it just it's a natural thing you want to do what well, comes back to you tenfold you know it, it, it's it's so funny you say that everyone that I interview on this show Christopher it really is the idea of coming in and coming in from a, a, a mindset of service, right? And it's service coupled with humility. And sure. when you have the two of those, the success is guaranteed. For sure. And your happiness is ensured because you're at, when you make people happy, you, you, you've bonded with them on a different level. Oh. That, that forms a relationship. And those relationships, if you, real estate is just a small portion of what happens because after that, they become friends, we're invited to weddings, we're, we're given the cottages, like we travel together. That's how we grow our, our, our relationships in our community. You know, it, it was like how you and I started talking and, you know, we'll get to the whole EXP story a little later uh, in this interview, but it was the idea that I had come here and I knew your background and I knew that this was the place for you and I just wanted it to be for you. And that was where our conversations just took us, right? Oh, and, it was, and it was just so much of, you know, I wanted to be of service to you because it was where I thought that it, 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 this was something that was going to be great for you and your legacy. And well, so I, I, I do want to assure the listeners that I get my question out on the table because I think you're – your answers for me were the pivotal point of me actually making a, a yes decision. So my question, if you would allow me. Please. Why did you leave Rheology, arguably the most prestigious brand recognized company on the planet with Sotheby's, Century 21, Cochrane Group, Better Homes and Gardens. I mean, you were in charge of arguably the best brands of luxury in the world. So when I knew that you were switching, I was fascinated to hear your story. So I, I would love you just to embellish that a little bit. I would, I would be honored to do that, Christopher. And, you know, for me, it was, I'm, I'm, I'm very loyal 
And I had been with Realogy was the only brand that I was with Sotheby's for 13 years. And then with Realogy on a corporate level for the last two years of my 15 year career there. And prior to that, I was with Deutsche Bank for 10 years. And so um, for me, I'm a very loyal individual when there's, you know, that that sense of home. And I have to tell you, when I saw the EXP model, because I didn't really know a lot about it, to be quite honest. But when I understood it, and I thought about the fact that you're not looking for an individual to buy a franchise, you're making the individual the franchise, you're making that agent the brand, you're not asking for a, a, a franchise fee, you're not asking for a royalty fee or marketing fee, you're giving them a global platform and a global brand. And when I saw that, I'm like, oh my God, like yeah. literally the, the, there is no limit. Right. And exactly. that's what was so, you know, that was the aha moment for me. Right. And that's it's extraordinary. Amazing. You know, we, we just opened South Africa today and yeah. it was a wonderful, wonderful sort of first milestone of everything that we're talking about doing as a global brand and where we're looking to expand into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that was exciting. And it's also, you know, today is also when we are, you know, surpassed our $4 billion market cap. Um, wow. So it's imagine, imagine this is a, a wonderful story of this company that in yeah. many ways is still a startup. Oh, for sure. And you know, the funny thing about this, there's other verticals. You could do the same with insurance. You could do the yes. same with, there, there's so many verticals in the sales industry that you could say to mortgage brokers, you're next. There's going to be EXP mortgage brokers. Like the whole culture is adaptable to all financial services. It's that sense of being that, that Uber, if you will, of for- the real estate industry where you're giving the agents a brand without having them buy the franchise. Totally, totally. Right. You've, you've empowered your most important people in your entire organization, the ones that meet the public with the most, you, you couldn't support them any better than saying you're now an owner of what you're doing. Oh my so gosh. If you're, if you're an owner of what you're doing, then you're responsible to clean up the mess that just fell in front of you or to make sure the towels are put nice in the, in the bathroom. Or you're you're going to do all those little things that will please a customer. It's, it's called grit. That's it. Mm-hmm. When you, do those little, when you have grit and you're doing the little things repeatedly, you become an expert at what you're doing because it's full of passion. It makes you better. And, 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 and you know, that's just the core of it, isn't it? And it, it's the secret. That's what it is. It's sort of like, it just is that, you know, this is what really attracted me. And listen, after 15 years, actually 25 years of such a corporate mentality, when I came here, everything was just really... Um, there, there isn't that big hierarchical thing, you know, everyone just sort of like does, okay, what's next? Let's help. What do we get? Why do we get to the next part? And it's that camaraderie that is such a beautiful thing about this model. And so, so I was at you, I was, had the pleasure of being introduced at your leadership um, on Friday and I was standing on stage in my virtual avatar watching <laughs> the beginning of the, of the presentation. And I was basically heartstruck on the emotion that came from Glenn yes. Saunders, the founder, about helping the families that are in need with the hurricane that's mm-hmm. ravaging certain parts of the United States of America. 
and the monies that have gone back into helping the network of people that work here. I thought, this culture, this is his opening remark, not rah, 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 we, our stock yeah. went through. There was none of that, there's zero. This gentleman is, he is cut from a cloth of goodness that he oh. wants. He is yeah, such but, a leader, such a leader, this man. Yeah, you know. it was great. It was great. I, it was it was it was funny. I actually, you know, posted this morning um, how how thankful and humbled I was as to the fact that we had this great team that opened up South Africa, and um, Glenn took that story and he put it on his social media, and he says, um, "I'm blessed to be in business with Michael Valdez," and so I was like, "Are you kidding? This is your company. You founded this thing." <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, it's the spirit of it, it comes from it comes from the top it yeah. comes from the top it really does when i saw that i realized that we're in good hands oh my gosh and let me just tell you how how much and how well you and your family fit in when there was and you're going to be uh very humble much too humble to say this so i'm going to say it and you're going to please indulge me to allow me to say it and it was when we did the uh, the, op the, the, the celebration of you joining the company and we did a virtual celebration in our Canada <laughs> world. And um, your daughter Shay took the stage and um, when, what you and, and, and Shay did was just extraordinary where you had your entire team there. And we're gonna talk about your team in a second, but we had your entire team there. And you, know, you said we wanted everyone that was not eligible to earn stock at EXP to still feel like they were family. And you bought in the open market stock for all of your admin and support staff that are part of your team and a part of your family that wow. basically you wanted them to be on an equal uh, footing and feel as though they were owners of this company as well. That was well, extraordinary to me. Well, thank you for that. And there's a funny story you don't know. Oh, go on then. So in the, around the fourth month of eight months of due diligence, I knew in my heart we we're halfway there. Yes. And I thought, now the rest of the team, we all go together, we don't go at all. That was my comment to them. I know. So all of my administrative marketing people, I said, just for fun today, I want to buy one share for each of you because when we go, you're also going to continue to get shares. That's the philosophy of where I want to be. Yes. So not agents, just the support staff. Uh-huh. So he bought one share per at $11.53. <laughs> okay, which the rhetoric back then was it was teetering. It was this. I said, guys, it doesn't matter. This company is going to be the largest in the world, bar none. Yep. I said, so it doesn't matter whether it's 11 or what. Just buy it and hold it. You're buying stock in Uber or you're buying stock in General Motors. Like this, this is at the beginning of a huge thing. So. We bought it eleven fifty three. So it's gone up five times in two exactly. months. Five exactly. X. Yeah. yeah. That's craziness. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a good story. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Chris, you're you're based in Ontario, Canada. And Correct. you're actually my first guest from Ontario. Um, oh. this is this is actually a very uh, a very uh, I'm very blessed about this show. I've had the show uh, since the beginning of the year. I started it literally at the beginning of the year. January 7th was my first show. And no kidding. Wow. Yeah. And so in that time, we've actually grown an incredible audience. We're now in actually 24 countries. 
And our analytics are just really amazing. Our website is getting about 100,000 visitors a month now. And and it's wonderful. So it's truly a global audience. So would you mind telling the audience a little bit about Ontario? For sure. So for those who have never been, please come. It is uh, um, one of the most beautiful places on earth. Um, It has the most fresh waters, I think, of most places because it has all these small lakes and it was glaciers back in the day that pulled back. So Northern Ontario is full of these gorgeous lakes and all granite stone. It's it's absolutely stunning. Um, And it's huge. You can fit four Italys in Ontario. Just <laughs> Still coming back to that uh, fashion analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four Italy's in Ontario. Now, in Italy, there's it. 60 million people. Yes. In Canada, there's 32. And in wow. Ontario, there's 12. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's a lot of space. We have tons of room. And he, he, here's the irony of ironies, too. Its heritage goes back to French conquered the Indians, and the yeah. British conquered the French. So there's, it's very British in Ontario, whereas France is connected to Quebec. So there's, well, a, rivalry, yeah. there's a rivalry in the language between Quebecers, let's say, in, in, because they're French, and Ontarians because they're British. Right, so right. It's kind of the makeup. I love it. And, and the capital of Canada is in Ottawa, which is a spectacular um, testimony to engineering because it was initially at Kingston and because the Americans were going to take over Canada in the Civil War, the the British Crown said, listen, let's build a canal from Kingston about 800 kilometers all the way to Ottawa, which was a derelict place. Like it was a ruffian place. Like you'd get yourself killed there on the weekend in a tavern. So they moved the capital of Canada, which was called Kingston, Ontario, all the way to northern Ontario to a place called Ottawa. And that's where, how the foundation of Ottawa got started. Our that's capital. fascinating. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. And our three and our four Great Lakes have more fresh water than anywhere in the world. Like the four, the four big Great Lakes are, um, they're a wonder of the world because they're so huge. Wow. So tell and me that, about the market. The market is strong too, isn't it? Our market has... Um, 100,000 people moving into it every year from immigration. So it is the, Toronto is the North American leader in construction. There's 182 projects, condo projects on the go. So there's no place in North America that is doing better than Toronto because they have 100,000 people to house every year. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's, it's like clockwork. It's, it's predictable. So it, it's very vibrant and we're multinational. We, are, we embrace cultures of the world. We embrace differences in people. Um, we're very liberal in if you do good, you're good. If you do bad, you're bad. Doesn't matter whether you're you know, black, white or yellow or whether you're whatever your persuasion is. Good That's is so good. True. That, that is so true. We uphold those values. I love that. And, you know, that probably is a great segue to my next question, you know, talking about your team, because your team is a microcosm of that. And you grew to your team to over 20 people. And, you know, that's like running a corporation. How did that team form over the years? 
Yeah, so great question. And, and I think when you start at the beginning, you sort of see the evolution because my first day in real estate, I, I realized that I don't use a computer. I'm not computer literate, but I'm very good at sales because that was my background. Sure. And very good at design because that was my background. So I was a businessman at a young age stepping into real estate. So I thought, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, whatever service I'm going to give the consumer, I'm going to write it on a sheet of paper. I'm going to say, this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to hire a girl on Monday to come in and do the work that I have. So I hired a girl part-time on a Monday. When I got busy enough to hire on a Friday, I hired her on a Friday. When I got busier, <laughs> I hired her for the week. And so I started with one person with a system of saying, this is what I do, Mr. Consumer. And then, Jane, please do the work for me because that's what I promised them. So I had a seller's program from day one and a buyer's program from day one because I needed to organize somebody else to do the work I didn't want to do. And so the philosophy of growing is when you hit 10 units of business as an agent, you're at what we call the reflection point or the breaking point. If you have five units of business, you're, you're good, you're comfortable. If you have less than that, you become, you procrastinate, you're, you're actually underperforming. So it, when I had 15 open files, I realized that I can't do it. I'm actually losing business. So I hired an assistant to take the five units of business that I knew I was going to lose anyways and start to handle it. And when that grew to 20 units of business, I hired another agent, another assistant, because I knew I had to give five to each. And then the girl, the, the administrator, got too busy, so I hired another administrator to start doing the marketing. So she focused on marketing, the new one, and the old one did administration. So now you've got a nucleus of a team, but it's still, it's still Christopher. Yes. It was two assistants and three assistants. It was Christopher and Vidiata selling. In my first 10 years, I did 20 million worth of business. But after that, I couldn't grow anymore because I couldn't be in any other appointment. And I ran out of time. So I said, how do I grow to the next level? So I changed from what I call me to we, where mm. I turned myself literacy upside down. And I said, if I give my good values to agents that are called assistants, now becoming called associates and putting them in front of the consumer with the NVIDIA team, versus Christopher and Gurea, that's the change. That's the caterpillar going into the cocoon and coming out a butterfly. So my, my uh, rainmaker, my, my meeting people in the public, I became the brand. And those that are working with me were associates. But I trained them in my system so that they did exactly what I knew they could do and they could flourish. And I wanted them to grow more successful than me. I tell all my new agents, I want you to be better than me, not as good as me, better. And my job is to see that you get there. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh my God, is that beautiful? You're an amazing man. Uh, you know, you actually sort of like started this way, right? but my question is how do you build the culture within the team? Yes, it, it starts with you. But as you get larger, as this team gets larger, you're over 20 people on this team. And I know that it's, you know, it's got your name, it's got your brand. How do you build the culture there? How do they know what you want? You know, if it's, if it's one or two assistants, that's easy to do, right? When it becomes like 10 or 12 associates, that's a little harder to do. Well, 
So we weave into all of our actions um, emotional points of gifting that the consumer is not expecting. Mm. So when you list our home with us, we send you the most beautiful bouquet of, they almost look like wedding flowers, the thank you. So that's an emotional thing they weren't expecting. And through that emotion, they tell their friend about it. Or their husband comes home from work and says, look at the video, I sent these beautiful phone. I get the phone call. And then when we sell the home, we give them a beautiful bottle of Italian wine to say thank you at the time of sale on a beautiful card. Again, it's a high emotion. They were not expecting that. And then when we close the home, we now have the black box with the black card with, uh, with money loaded on it for them to do what they want. Or if, or if they're really good clients, we take them out. Because there's nothing more precious than your time given to somebody. So true. And, and when you break bread with them, now you're at their most intimate level. When you, when you share a glass of wine with somebody and, and you break bread, that is a highly emotional thing. It's so true, especially for an Italian. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and then after dinner, we're, we're hugging and kissing. And Absolutely. We're seeing each other next. And people, we do it all the time. People say, I'm, gonna, I'm, having, de I'm having withdrawal from not worth seeing you. I, I want to do more business. Like, it's fine. <laughs> Let's buy a, a commercial property or like my something. So I can get to see you more. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> and, you know, um, I think you touched on this a little bit, but you started asking me in the beginning, and now I want to reverse this on you. So, after decades at Remax, what was it that finally had you come over to EXP? Well, my story with Remax is kind of an interesting one because coming from fashion, mm -hmm. Um, and being a designer of jewelry and leather goods, I have an eye for design. So when I joined Remax, I looked at their logo and I said to my broker, I said, do we have to use this? And he goes, you do. But maybe if you just blind emboss it, um, they'll, we'll get away with it. And I said, okay, so I don't need to use red, white, and blue. He says, no. Okay, so we blind, I had these beautiful burgundy, um, folders made with homes of elegance in script in the center in the bottom right corner was remax blind embossed you couldn't read it mm -hmm. and that's how i started and so when i sent it into their uh, awards night for marketing i got the phone call from head office saying what are you doing like you, <laughs> you can't be where's our brand so from day one i was an adversary to their ideology Amazing. Right away. So I was, at, I was at odds with them all the time about what is Nvidia doing down wherever the hell he is versus what is he supposed to be doing. Right. So when I became number one in Canada, it was a real almost like he's number one. How, the, like, how did he become number one? I 15 times. 15 yeah. times. <laughs> it was so funny because when I won number one, in the world the first time yeah they it was like hallelujah the next year they changed it by combining commercial and residential so they were i wouldn't win again oh my gosh it was insane it was oh like, my gosh what did they do they changed the process of adding yeah. commercial 
so that I wouldn't become number one again in the world. It was like, that's insane. So in my 2012, my dad had just passed away that year. Mm. And I, I swear, Michael, every deal I touched was like, why was I selling a $10 million property? Why was I selling seven? Why was it this one at 20? It all happened in that year. And I could feel my dad just saying, listen, why am I, I don't think I'm not watching you because I'm here. Like, yeah. So, so it was like beautiful. Like that was my, that was my dad's gift to me during 2012. That's why, you know, you mm. get lucky. You know, and, and what, a, what a beautiful and fitting segue to the next question. And I was going to really ask you, you know, you, you are a great father and you're a great mentor. You're a great teacher, you know, and what qualities do you think you inherited from your father, God rest his soul, that allows you to be so paternal, not only to your family, but to really everyone you meet? Yeah. So my father, uh, being Italian in 1940, growing up, was not cool because mm-hmm. of the Second World War. Of course. His father was a medical doctor. And during the Second World War, my dad was 14. They arrested my, his father, my grandfather, and put him in prison mm. in Ontario because he was you know, a smart doctor from Italy. And he was, a, uh, he was in the army as well in Italy back home. So he was an enemy of the state, mm-hmm. being Italian. So, and my dad was born with a club foot at birth. So he had a, a deformed foot. It was like six inches shorter on the one side than the other. And so being Italian, fat, crippled, um, you know, putting himself through school, driving a taxi while his dad's in prison, he grew up tough. Mm. Mm. You, know, he, you know, he's a tough dude. Like, he put himself through uh, university. And so I never saw my grandfather because he committed suicide when he got out of prison. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he couldn't handle it. Mm. So my father's resolve for doing things differently, like he was born different. And he was put into difficult situations. And he said the best thing to do is do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. That's right. Just do the opposite and be different. You know, choose a path that is clearly your own. And I never forgot that. Mm. Why was that powerful? That's really powerful. You know, it's, it was, um, um, you know, my father uh, is Cuban and was Cuban. And um, he was um, uh, an attorney for Batista in Cuba. And so was a, um, a political prisoner because he was arrested under Castro and wow. then was released in uh, a prisoner exchange programs during the Bay of Pigs. Wow. And um, so it, it, was, it was before I was born, but we were born with that sense of, you know, tomorrow is never guaranteed and there is no safety net. So no. you just need to go and live today, right? And, sure. you, you, it, and, it's, and it's very similar to that thing of you have to think different because yeah. it's the same sucks. <laughs> you know what? So here, here's the truth. <laughs> your, your father and my father both paid a price for That's your right. being where you are today, um, period. So the path was laid out. They they suffered more than we suffered. Let me put it out. Yes, a hundred percent. And I and I and I hope 
my kid's life is better than mine. And I hope their kids are better than theirs. That's it. Right? So it's every generation, we just try to perfect what we do wrong so we get it right. That's it. It's, it's been it's such a beautiful statement. It really is. Christopher, define success for me. Um, I, I, <laughs> Sometimes I, I throw I, these zingers in when you're not looking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, the fact that the fact that you can be happy mm. day in and day out, that to me is the ultimate reward for living. If you're happy, you have found true success. Mm-hmm. And so through joy, through happiness, laughter, uh, even though the world could be falling apart around you, your choice to be happy is a choice that you make. And so um, even in the life's worst circumstances, you read about people that survived Auschwitz. They, they had a heart that never gave up. The light always was on. And they lived in a space of joy, even if the surroundings were beyond measure. And so if you carry that reality and that decision with you wherever you go, then that's your choice. You know, one of the things that I learned early on is that if you come with a heart of gratitude, it's very difficult to ever be angry. And so because it's a different the emotions on a different plane and it's not on the same, you know, frequency. And so I start every morning um, with a, I have a gratitude journal that I've had for years and I travel with it and it's just like, it's with me all the time. And I start my morning with what I'm grateful for. And, and I really do spend the time and I'll sit with my espresso <laughs> in yeah. the morning and I'll really, you know, it's, it's, it's my time where I actually put really cognitive thought into this and really serious sort of thing. And what am I grateful for today? And I actually don't start my day until I write 10 things down. Yeah. When, when you do that, it's, it's a meditative decision. A hundred percent. I do transmental meditation first thing in the morning. I love it. And I light a candle uh, so that there's, there's, there's a, a moment of intentional change. That's so right. by lighting a candle, you, you've now stilled everything. And then when you allow yourself to reach that point in full meditation, you're, you're free and you can be grateful. And your mind actually allows you to realize that the earthly things are only that and they're there mm-hmm. for our challenges and and to make us better and to improve ourselves and but it, it's and it's to help others you, for sure and when you can yeah. see everything below like basically the stuff that we it's just stuff we're yeah, not taking, we're not taking right. it, it, it it belongs to the earth but you belong from above and that's where you need to be heading i love that we, you know, we really, we really are related. <laughs> we'll figure this out somehow. I'm probably the, I'm probably the only one that can that can pronounce it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it. So, Christopher, tell me what the greatest lesson you ever learned in your career has been. Uh, the greatest lesson in the career so far, my goodness. 
There's been a few. Um, yep. You know, life lessons are the hardest because sure. when, when you're in stride, like I was 15 years in a row, but my, unfortunately, my marriage broke up. And that was one of the hardest things I've ever endured in my entire life, uh, emotionally, financially, um, spiritually, every, every way. It was probably the hardest thing to, to think that I could lose my kids um, mm. over this, my friends, my family. Um, and to walk through that, knowing the truth of what you had to do to be true to yourself, despite what the community would say, despite what everybody has an opinion of, I had to be true to myself. And I, mm -hmm. and I said, I, I have to do this to be, to be true to me. So it's now almost seven years since that day. But I can honestly say that I feel, I feel whole, I feel good, I feel honest about my decision. So that was probably the toughest decision in my real estate career. My best decision just happened. And I think wow. the, the magic of the company that has been, you know, basically birthed um, and all the principles that, you know, it values and the way they see each person who joins. And I have to say, I, I had an interview with a lady who heard about EXP. She's a bit of a big mouth. Uh, she's got, you know, sort of kind of a bad reputation in her neighborhood. And so when she called, I, I was fearful that she would actually want to join. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I was, t I was seeing myself if this lady actually joins and uses my name to start leveraging what she will do. Yeah. I can't have that. So I said to her, I said, do you have a bad repo record by chance? She goes, I do. How'd you know? I said, well, I can tell you right now, EXP does not hire anybody who has a bad RICO record. So mm -hmm. I'm really sorry. She goes, you're serious? I go, 100%. So I can't join. I said, you're right. You can't join. I hung <laughs> up the phone. I hung up the phone. I got, that was, that was, I, I don't want to talk to her ever again in my life. Like, why would I want to spend any, a minute with the person who basically, you know, is, is only doing things for money and will do anything. And she goes to me, Donald Trump. Uh, I'm like Donald Trump, you know, he can say a lot of things and gets away with it. And I go, not with me, you can. I'm really sorry. It doesn't work like that. That's right. So That's right. I, I, I love I, that. And it's you protecting your new home. For sure. For right? sure. Because look, at, if you invite the best and the best know that the, the blacklist people are not invited, they're not part of this. That's right. This family. Guess what happens? The good people come quicker. That's and the bad, right. And the, and the bad people are like they're like they're, their hands around their chest puffed up. But if you get half of the entire real estate market in the world, you've got a lot of people. Oh my God! Do you ever? <laughs> you become the most powerful real estate company ever at that point. Yeah, totally. And, you know, and it will come quicker if you announce that you're not fooling around. If oh you, my gosh! If you, if you have a bad record, we don't want you. And, Listen. And, I was, uh, it's been, oh my gosh, probably two months that I've been looking for my broker in Mexico. Right. And Mexico is a very complex country. It's a gorgeous country. It's a very beautiful country, but it's very complex. Yeah. And, um, and I have probably have about, oh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really in like uh, a conservative and say probably about 50 interviews, five zero. Wow. And I've still not, not hired the person. 
I'm, I'm just not convinced yet, you know, and it is because you can only, this is protecting the brand and you've got to get it right. For sure. A hundred percent. You've got to get it right. Yeah. And and the more you, I think, develop the, um, the, the level of how we attract the right people. Yes. uh, it, It will become a really simple, you know, like these calls that we're making, people will start to hear about the culture of the company, and it's all about culture. Uh, it, all, it always is. You know, it's funny because I had one, one EXP agent that's been referring some folks for this position, and, you know, uh, I've had a few interviews, and I've said no to all of them, and he says, you're really tough. And I said, <laughs> I'm doing it for you. Right, good for you, absolutely. And so I said, is it because whatever, whomever is here, affects every other member of the EXP family around the globe. I'm oh, doing it for you. No, no. And so then he had no comeback. <laughs> <laughs> so Christopher, you know, you've been in the business um, a bit of time and, yeah. you know, you have um, nurtured and mentored, as we said, many people and your team and others. And so I'm curious, somebody entering the business today, what are the three things you would tell them to do? Um, I think what I'm about to say should be law within the industry. I okay. Think when, I, when you article as a lawyer, there's a period that's articling for a reason. So you, want, you have to work under an experienced attorney for your first year. If you're a doctor, you're an intern, there's a reason for that. They don't, they don't let anybody touch anybody directly for a year for a reason. Because when you watch a skilled person do what you just learned, you actually see the application of your knowledge. Mm. But without the mentor showing you how the application is applied, your mind starts to guess at all the different things you can do. And so when you pick the wrong thing to do and the outcome is a violation against your license, you realize it was a bad decision, but now you got a bad record mm-hmm. and a bad reputation. And next thing you know, that thing starts to build. And next thing you know, in three years, you're usually out of the business because it's harder than it looks because it's simple from the outside. It's very complex. And when people learn not to lie and tell the truth, the truth carries you to home plate. But if you start mm-hmm. to lie because you're making shit up, I shouldn't swear, but uh, when you make stuff mm-hmm. up, it will follow you. And so I always tell my agents, if you do not know, do not guess. You mm-hmm. tell them you'll get back to them. And I would rather deal with an honest person who'll get back to me than somebody who just told me a story. Oh, that is so true. Oh my God, is that true? Yeah. So one is work under a mentor. What's the other, what's the other two? That's number one. Number two, I love learning. And I did not take any direction for my first 10 years because I wanted to do it my way. But as soon as I went to my first convention, I was blown away by the level of knowledge that people were willing to share. So I would go to a guy like Brian Buffini for sure, because Brian has a heart of gold and and his passion for teaching agents how to be the best version of themselves is second to none. When you're growing after you listen to somebody like Brian Buffini, go to a guy like Richard Robbins, who has 
the business acumen can help you, you know, build your business once you know how to get your business. Brian helps you get your business and become a really good person. Richard will take you to the business level. And so once you learn how to grow as a career, then you can follow that. And I always say to people too, make a five-year plan or mm -hmm. 10 years. Jim Carrey wrote himself a check, I think it was for $10 million, put it in his wallet with the date on it. The date that he could cast that check was real. So wow. if you don't have a plan, a vision, you have nothing to follow. That's right. So if you don't see yourself five years from now, think of your plan like a holiday. Everybody can plan a good holiday. Where I'm going to go, what I'm going to spend, what I'm going to do on the beach. Think of your business the same way, and it gives you excitement, especially when you plan trips in the year to reward yourself. So... I, I usually teach people how to do proper goal setting that is driven by their rewards for themselves first and then their business around it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's great. So uh, work under a mentor, continue to learn, go to coaches, and then 100%. just plan, plan your business, have your goal setting. Those are great. Those, those three are fantastic. And they truly, truly are such really core to any successful plan. You know, sure. it, 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 even it, outside of real estate, it, those are great life plans. <laughs> well, for sure. If you have nothing to follow, you're not going to go anywhere. A hundred percent. Exactly oh. right. Exactly right. And then tell me a little bit. I know that uh, we spoke a little bit about this earlier and really your, your spirit and your heart and really your family's, your daughter, your family's heart too. And your, you know, your family's very philanthropic. Tell me a little bit about those efforts. So I'll start with Shay because yeah. her, her, she has an organization today called Free Them, like wow. the word Free Them in purple with a speaker beside it. And so Shay's organization is the voice of the unheard that are kept in human trafficking. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So those that are, those that are being held against their will, she made a pledge when she was 18 in Hawaii to the first girl she met that somebody's going to be coming for you. Tell the girls that. So that was her pledge to the, to the girls that were being prostituted, not prostitutes, held against their will in Hawaii outside of her dorm mm. at 18. Wow. Yeah, so she, she came home with dreadlocks, and she was oh. living undercover to help protect herself, but she, in the meantime, she was trying to get these girls free. Oh, my God, Christopher, that's amazing. I just got chills. Wow. What's the name of her or of her website? I want to make sure everyone goes to it. Yeah, it's called Free Them. Free, the word free, F-R-E, them. Yeah. They, dot, they, dot com? Dot com. They do amazing work around the world. Uh, Shay's been in India working, wow. in the, working with the, uh, the homeless, the shelters. Uh, my son, Caleb, beautiful, beautiful uh, young man he he's been to ethiopia working with the the homeless there the women's shelters there um he loves the outdoors he loves nature he's a naturalist uh accomplished photographer wow. um, just beautiful soul and uh, so his passion is the wilderness um shays are helping the children that are 
that are being held, they're being tortured every day. So, mm. what an incredible, incredible life's work! My God, wow, that's you, your family is so impressive. It really, really is just the way that you give back and care about humanity and the world. Christopher, it comes from it comes from 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 the top. So it really is. It shows your spirit and how you raise these children and what they learned from you. It's a beautiful story. Thank you. It's a beautiful story. My final question is: If you could use one word that can describe your life up to this point, what would it be? Uh, love. Oh, I love that one. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, Christopher, I can talk to you all day long. I mean, this has been, it's so natural. It really is just um, chatting with a friend. And it, to me, has been, it, it, it's been literally a gift to get to know you. And I just so cherish our friendship. And I so cherish the future of our friendship. And I thank you so much, man. Likewise, likewise. You have a great thing. It's Canadian Thanksgiving, by the way. Oh, well, happy Thanksgiving to you. And thank you for taking the time during your Thanksgiving to be on this show. It's a pleasure. I, 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 I feel like it's a drive home with you on the weekend. So anytime you want to do it again, I'm happy to do it. Oh, I love it. Everyone, thank you so much. Christopher, thank you so much again. And pleasure. everyone, thank you for tuning in. This has been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Thanks again. Thank you.